Good morning and welcome to the Tuesday Morning Blitz. It is I, Jackson Roberts. It is he, Kale Clinton, and it is our third Mike, Chipper, Positive Outlook, Nolan Hughes. Uh, joining us for the first time on video, so uh, all of our loyal listeners get to see his smiling face as we, uh, we share some words this week about a team we all love very much, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so that's still to come in the show, but Nolan, welcome and how are you doing? I've had better days. I've had better days. They they were back when I was blissfully ignorant, but not. before I awoke, <laughs> before my third eye opened up and I saw the horrors that were the Sean McDermott defense. <laughs> we had a text thread yesterday uh, asking Nolan to come on because the timing would work out with everyone's schedules. And, and he, he wanted to bully jokingly me. that he would only come on as long as the Bills did not lose and not fire Sean McDermott. Uh, and I guess that was a bluff because those things both happen and he's still here. <laughs> so welcome. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. It's not called the Wednesday morning blitz, Jackson. You know, we could have given him some more time. <laughs> not Frank out of the Reich, woods yet. Frank Reich doesn't get any time, so therefore I do not get any time. Mm. That's very fair. That will kick off our show uh, in a non-Bills direction because Frank Reich forced our hand today. We will come back to the Bills very soon. Uh, But Frank Reich fired after 11 games, two games less than an Urban Meyer, the fourth fewest games coached in NFL history. Lots of good work being done all over the media landscape today about the short-lived Frank Reich tenure, uh, which really, I mean, started off as uh, we couldn't hire Ben Johnson, and then we're going to trade – up to the number one overall pick and take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. And all that has led to here in a very short amount of time. Uh, It almost seems like it's not even enough to reflect on because it came and went so fast. But anyone got reflections on the Frank Wright Carolina Panthers tenure? Can you start here? No, I don't don't have any reflections. I don't want to start here. Uh, Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, not good. a lot of Frank Reich uh, swapping back and forth between quarterbacks, between play callers. Uh, but positive, uh, he somehow made Adam Thielen age or de-age four or five years. Adam Thielen look back. Uh, yeah, I don't want to totally leap into the next part, but this is a this is a tough task to follow up. It really is. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of the uh, Syracuse football program. You you have all these expectations, and you have no chance of ever meeting them because the, everything is rotten. I don't even I, – I wouldn't even say that. It's, it's, it's the opposite in that you have time in in the Northern – with the Northern team, and you have no time to win in with the Panthers, but similar in that you have no chance. I, I don't think it's – my issue with it is – like the Bryce Young pick now kind of dictates what the next job is. It's just no matter what, you've got to make this work. And that's tough on its own, but you're doing it with kind of nothing in-house. Uh, your best players 
are all on the defense and most of them are hitting the open market within the next calendar year or next, you know, 15 months, either this year or next year. So if you're going to try and build something awesome, but uh, this is really, I don't know, it's a very like subservient coaching position where you're kind of just beholden to ownership. You're just... Your only job is to make this work. It's going to be an offensive-minded coach. It's going to be a developmental job. You just got to make Bryce Young work. And uh, people are going to want it because there's only 32 pro jobs in the league. But I, I, it's it's a very uh, it's a very unenviable task to make Bryce Young look good after the 12 weeks we've seen him play. Yeah, I almost feel like it's still unfair to even judge Bryce Young, even though he has at no point looked good. Uh, and given the state of the Panthers' skill position room, I don't see it getting better anytime soon. And what's the best you know, way to rebuild a roster is your draft, and the Panthers do not have their first-round draft pick this year. So it only gets worse from here. And you mentioned the Tepper part of it as well. I mean, not to go into like deep specifics, but – one of the more demanding and sort of crushing team owners in, in all of professional sports right now. And the expectations don't seem to match the reality of what the roster is and can be. So I don't know if that like plays a big factor in deciding to take a coaching job or not. Like, you know, people sign on to work for Dan Snyder every year, but doesn't seem appealing. No, like, appealing I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why you would want to take it unless you had to take it. Like it discreet, this is like Houston, the, the Texans a couple of years ago when like the jobs were going to what Lovey and what the Baltimore Ravens wide receivers coach. What was that? Great, he got screwed out of it. But like that, that just kind of that's the type of hire I feel like they're looking at now. I can picture the guy's face. I can't remember his name. He was great though. Loved him. The. The Panthers' job, like I don't know, you're not getting, you're not getting the, uh, you're not getting Ben Johnson, you're not getting like top end stuff unless you're gonna do, and, and like Belichick almost with the Mac Jones stuff disqualifies you from getting him, like because he's just not going to develop a guy, which your your numbers are getting narrow, and according to Schefter. There's going to be anywhere from seven to ten coaching jobs, or, or just coaching vacancies this year, uh, including the Panthers one. And Panthers get, you know, one of the first bites at the apple because they're the most open. But they're probably between eighth and tenth on that list. It's not a good, not a good starting point for them. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things goes. But it. It feels, it feels upsetting to know this team is kind of like already looking to the twenty twenty five draft, which Not is great. Not, but we'll see. Would you? I mean, you've said at points like this guy maybe is a year away from a coaching opportunity. The most recent, which I would think of, is Bobby Slowick. Would you offer a job to somebody like a Bobby Slowick who? Like, I mean, say they don't get their first crack of the apple, right? Say they, they go down a couple shoots and they get, you know, turned down by the Ben Johnsons of the world and et cetera. 
is it better to like take a shot on somebody that you think might be a year away from, you know, head coach ready, or would you rather like do retreads like they just tried with Frank Reich? Well, the beauty of that is they can say no. John Mayo said no. Ben Johnson said no. Went back to uh, went back to Detroit. You can just say no. Like there's no reason that Bobby Slowick shouldn't have his choice at the head coaching opportunity he wants. And moreover, there's no reason why he wouldn't would want to leave Houston outside of getting the ideal position. So he can just ride this out. He's fine. I, I you, you, you're put at such a disadvantage of Carolina because you've already had such a poor. I think you've got. I think Carolina since new ownership took over has like a 25 percent win rate. It's like 20 something and 60 something since. Uh, what is his name? Totally blanking on the owner. Tepper. Yeah. Yeah. Since Tepper bought the team. And there's already been so many coaching turnovers. I think he oversaw the Rivera dropout. You went through Matt Rule. That was a nightmare. Uh, You know, you could have given Steve Wilkes a job. He's now doing great in San Francisco. Like, you've, you've seen opportunities come and go. And. I don't know. I think the more the more telling thing is that Colts were in the exact same position as the Carolina Panthers. They were a team with a couple defensive assets, nothing really going offensively with Frank Reich in the building. And they recognize we're going into this draft for a new quarterback. And we don't want Frank Reich to the, to develop him. And then Carolina said, awesome, we'll let him develop our guy. And look at where they are now. Richardson's hurt, but, you know, Gardner Minshew's kind of balling, and you're getting 100% out of guys like, you know, Michael Pittman, Josh Downs. The offensive line looks a lot better. Uh, Jonathan Taylor looks a lot better. The, like, this is a team that's winning games they're not supposed to. Yeah, and, I mean, he being a they got the right play caller in the building. Uh, Shane Sykin's fourth and one call to Mo Ali Cox yesterday uh, just had me ascending from my couch through the ceiling in love. Uh, and then two, they didn't give up their first round pick in order to get the quarterback. So even when he gets hurt this year, you a still have him for next year, and b still have your own first round pick to add to your team. The Panthers have neither option right now. Yeah, it's win win. Panthers lose lose. Fun. I'm glad to be wearing this hat today. Uh, there, there may not be optimism there, but I know no one's got lots of Bill's optimism today. It's the reason why we're here. Uh, just a moral victory yesterday. Played a really close game. Took it to overtime. Almost beat the Eagles. Just a little miscommunication between Allen and Gabe Davis. Like who among us hasn't done that with the game on the line before? Uh, and I don't really think we have anything bad to say about the Bills today, right? Yeah, I mean, what did you expect? We've been down. <laughs> How many times True. have we been down this road? True. I, I when when they threw the the touchdown to Gabe Davis with a minute fifty two left, I knew we were losing in that moment because that was well any amount of time, as you guys have made me well aware, is too much time against the Bills. Well, unless also, the Bills had the ball with twenty seconds left, and then they're just going to take a knee. Correct. Yeah. No amount of time is enough for us, but it is always too much against us. 
I, I we just how many times have we been down this road before? I found the tweet that I was looking for. Updated Bill Stupoff tiers. Tier one, 13 seconds. Uh, this is from at Sneaky Joe Sports. Tier two, the Minnesota game last year. Remember when uh, the Bills blew a 30 to, I don't know, three lead or something like that? Josh fumbled on our <laughs> own goal line. Fourth and I had, Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Thank you, Isaiah Vasquez, for that tremendous photo that lives in my head every moment. Uh, <laughs> the wind game against New England when jo- Mac Jones threw for four yards. Um, the Urban Myers lone victory on American soil. That came against us. A healthy Bills team. Nine to six. Um, what – I believe we are calling now the Philly fuck up kicks off tiers three um, week one against the jets. I guess that was that one. You can actually blame on Josh. So uh, that one's in its own category. The hail Murray, which I actually forget about. Quite <laughs> that often. was against you too. I forgot that was against the bill. <laughs> Game of the year. Every year bills versus opposing team. Didn't the Cardinals win like one more bills game after winner. that? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, McDermott referenced the Hail Murray play last night because it happened. Olamide Zias, however you say his name, Zacchaeus, did it to Micah Hyde last night on third and 18 or something. Uh, Also, the Texans OT game, which has kicked off the 0 6, 0 7. Where are we at now? Have we played week 13 yet? Uh, The Denver 12 man a few weeks ago. We lost to Zach Wilson last year, too. That. That's that was two in a row we lost to him. Yeah, like it, how many we've been down this road a thousand times before. I didn't even mention the other playoff games, like when we lost to the, the Bengals last year. Like do this time and time again. Josh and the offense do what they need to do. Even if there's a mistake or two along the way, he makes enough plays to make to have should have won the game. And then they have the lead with two minutes and change or less to go. And McDermott lets the opposing defense the opposing offense walk right down the field and score and he takes a stupid time out in there that hurts the offense trying to make up for his mistake again every time every time every time i i will push push back on that a bit uh i don't i don't think last night was like the worst mcdermott performance of all time I, there were a couple of mistakes, but it's not like I mean, how many drop touchdowns and missed field goals did they have? Like that's not his fault. But go ahead. No, I no, I will fully stop myself from uh, combating you because I thought last year's Bengals playoff loss was seventeen to ten. It was twenty-seven ten, and that is better than the actually felt. It was. It was. It could have been forty to ten if they wanted it to be. Yeah. weren't weren't prepared for a. Home playoff game in the snow. They also let they also let uh, Skyler Thompson led Miami team hang thirty one on them the week uh-huh. before. Uh, that was impressive. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of confounding the head coaching mistakes that kind of pop up. Uh, what was the one uh, like final play of the game? Uh, the Jalen Hurts. Talk yeah, about like, like the entire offense knew exactly what we were doing, and we're like literally, we're like they're doing this. We're gonna score. Like, they, yeah, who was who was the offensive lineman that said Mylotta. like, Mylotta, yeah, it was Jordan yeah. Mylotta had come out and said, uh, "This look is foundational to our offensive <laughs> playbook." And they only run it on like every second and nine the entire game. 
and we've never like uh, he basically was like we've never seen a team show us like this like run this pre-snap look and play this out this way uh this team is really old uh this team has continued to fail uh on early round defensive picks uh both uh on the line and at uh both at the uh on the line in the secondary uh they're kind of just retreading the same guys uh we don't have to talk about the fact that Von Miller is pretty much a non-factor this year. Dude, um, I think I read he has one tackle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Got one. It's like how Kevin Byer didn't touch a ball for most of the season, but not touching ball carriers instead, which is ten thousand times worse. Our uh, our Bills correspondent, uh, not really our correspondent, but the only person I take uh, Bills notes from Nolan Victoria Zeller. Uh, brought up that Jonathan Kingsley should be <laughs> yeah, Kingsley, Kingsley Jonathan. Jonathan. That's that's how little I know this person. His last name. Dude, is I'm, you guys, you guys are gonna lose your minds. This is hysterical. Reading um, Bills players with two t- solo tackles on the season. Jonathan Kingsley, Kingsley Jonathan. Actually, I, that now I'm confused. Reggie Gilliam has two. The fullback for the offense. Uh, Tyler Matkovich. Trent Sherfield, Reed Ferguson, the long snapper, <laughs> Damar Hamlin. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> and now with one solo tackle, Von Miller. However, he does have a QB hit. <laughs> He's got one. He's got one on Burrow. Oh, no, that's in the Tampa game. Never mind. He's got one on Baker. <laughs> he has as many tackles as Ty Johnson and Tyler Bass. To the uh... – it's the Trent Sherfield one is the one that killed me. <laughs> Damar, I get it. Oh, the Damar one? He's, he's, he's like one of special games. team reps. It's understandable. When your offensive player is the one <laughs> with more tackles than Vaughn, then it's a problem. Uh, yeah. He, Josh, how many tackles? Probably like seven. Josh I'm not Norman gonna, has three. <laughs> I'm not going to be flippant and like, I don't want to come off as just totally disregarding uh, whatever, uh, like just or er, 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 being a victim of the moment. Uh, McDermott and Bean have to go. This is just bad, bad team comp top to bottom. They need someone new to come in and rejuvenate this offense because they've been trying to keep it young this whole time and it hasn't worked. And now they have the oldest defense in the league and it's kind of falling apart at the seams. And even with the lack of skill position players, Joe Brady's holding up his end of the bargain. Like Dude, the, the, Ken Dorsey thing, like, the, the Ken Dorsey thing worked. It, it was, it was a lot of uh, like negative touchdown regression where, or just, they, they were producing as one of the best offenses in the league, but even with those numbers, they should have been scoring at like Dolphins levels and they weren't. Uh, but Brady's got them humming. And it's just the defenses. Like you think about Buffalo as a defensive team because of McDermott and because of all the big names they have there. And it's those big names over the last half decade that are now like 30 plus completely aging out. 
and the young guys you have, I don't know. I don't. Matt Milano is like ballpark thirty. Daquan Jones is like probably twenty-seven. They're both out for the year. Like those can be the core of your front seven, along with Elam and Benson going forward. But beyond that, like you kind of just got to hit reset. And Bean has not yeah. been helping reset this defense the way he thought he would. No, like they that the amount of impact players that they've brought in on that side of the ball has been slim to none. Douglas was cool at the trade deadline. Like uh, the the linebacker uh Tell Dotson's been good. Bernard's been great, but like cool. You have a great linebackers coach. Like the the, the number of players in the secondary that are I mean, Ky- they drafted Kyrie Elam. We were, Kale, you had me so hyped about this man, and I don't think he plays anymore. He's just a healthy scratch every week, despite the fact that the trade last, down. last week, their fifth round drafted corner rookie was playing more than their first round drafted corner rookie. Like, it's just a problem. And also, like, not to, like, actually, yeah, you got to compare these teams because they're, uh, you know, they're considered the top of the AFC year in and year out. Look at how the Bengals and Chiefs have responded. Oh, Chiefs geez. spent five years just dumping all they could into young resources, not worrying about the offense too much. And yeah, it's coming back to bite them. But if you've got a quarterback of the caliber of Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen for this case, you just need one or two guys and you can try and fill in the rest. And that defense is awesome. And it's arguably in one of the hardest and most demanding defensive schemes in the league because of the front Spagnuolo plays because of the blitz packages and the stunts he sends and the like sideline to sideline assignments that they're given in the secondary. You kind of have to like Spagnuolo is one of the hardest guys to play for and he's getting so much out of Trent McDuffie, Leo Chanel, uh, George Karloftis and even the Bengals like the result hasn't been the same obviously but like, this is, you know, Camp Taylor, Britt. Like, you're starting to, like, you're just starting to develop these guys. And this is the first year that you've got Lou Anarumo kind of, like, doing a full revamp because they lost Von Mel and Jesse Bates in yeah, the Yeah, but that, that's, like, the key difference. The Bengals thought ahead and were like, hey, we're, we have Burrow and Chase and maybe Higgins, and we're going to need to draft some off- offensive linemen or have some money to pay for offensive linemen. Maybe we need to let a couple of these aging veterans go and try to rebuild this team through the draft. And they, they let them walk and they knew they would take a step back in order to maybe take a step forward. And the bills just keep re-signing all those guys. And yeah, like, before- it was cool when it was like working, but like, this is what happens when you keep signing old guys. Like eventually the, the cookie crumbles. Yeah, the funny thing is, is they had their biggest reset with both of their safeties. The Bills were able to retain both of their safeties. Cincinnati's 18th in defensive passing DVOA. Buffalo is 19th in defensive passing DVOA. <laughs> like, now, to be fair, they tried to let Poyer leave. Poyer just had no suitors, so he came back for cheap. So they, it's not the worst thing, but they had no backup. I know, but they, they made the mistake of signing him to a multi-year deal, too. Like... <laughs> <laughs> they they really drank their own Kool-Aid on that one. One member of the defense we did not mention was uh, Shaq Lawson, who uh, I had forgotten until I went to the Bills' uh, homepage. Uh, got into a fight with a fan in Philly last night. So that pretty much tells you, I think, 
everything you need to know about the uh, state of Bills Mafia. Uh, and they've got Kinda five big. games left, and they're all really tough opponents. So, I mean, is it just on the next year now, or is it like we just have to fight for pride and try to make it in, win four of the last five games? Like, where's where do we go from here? Dude, I this mean, bye week's going to be hell. <laughs> dude, holy cow. Oh, my God. The vibes are horrendous. But, like, for me as a fan, I'm on to next year. Like, I, I can't. I'm, I was kind of already there. Like, I, they, they can't do it. They're not doing anything. Every close game, they're going to blow with, with this dude at the helm. But team-wise, they haven't given up. Like, they're fighting. It, it's actually remarkably impressive how little they've – there are no signs of the team giving up at all, despite – every reason to um so they're gonna fight like they're gonna come out of this by and probably kick kansas city's ass honestly Ooh. and it's just it's just not gonna matter at the end like that they they put themselves in too deep a hole like they're they're losing they're gonna lose tiebreakers to pittsburgh and indy and cleveland because so. they lost all these afc games like denver remember when they lost to denver <laughs> they're ahead of them now yeah and they, they're gonna it, it's i saw someone tweeted this the other night the uh the only reason the bills made the playoffs and ended the drought mcdermott's first year was because of all these stupid tiebreakers and because of a Bengals fluky win with the the tyler boyd hail mary thing mm-hmm. and yeah, now it's gonna come full circle him. yep and, and now it's full circle and they're gonna miss the playoffs probably because of these stupid tiebreakers and deservedly so when you do so many stupid things Sounds now, like about it to me. Yeah, I don't think the Denver loss looks as bad now, but I don't know. Well, it looks I, bad I, in I, a sense that they turned the ball over five times and had 12 guys on the field for a game-winning field goal attempt. Oh, yeah, that was the loss. Okay, yeah, it still looks bad. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's tough to make that. They lost. They gave up a, a game-winning touchdown with like a minute 30 left to Mac Jones. Sure did. <laughs> <laughs> Mac uh, looks great that day. Mac Tyrod, Tyrod marched down the field. They lost, I think it was consecutive weeks. Now I have to check this out. It was. Let's see. And they should have lost oh that God. Denver game a lot earlier, but first that guy missed the extra point, and then uh, James Cook dribbled the ball to himself downfield, setting up the go-ahead score. Otherwise, I mean, Denver really kind of kicked their asses otherwise. Should we talk about the rest of the AFC playoff picture? Because, I mean, it sounds like you're just writing the Bills off. I'm not, for the record, I'm not, like, fully writing them off, but I'm giving them maybe a 10% chance at this point, and that could be generous. Uh, The the annoying part. Jammed up now. That's the annoying part, is they have maybe a 10% chance to make it, and I still think they're one of the two or three best teams in the conference. The issue is schedule. Like, Yeah, it's a brute. The issue is the fucking head coach. It's so tough, (laughs) like – They've got to play, you know, they lost to the Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins, and we'll see how that all shakes out. But there's you got to win a minimum three of those, and there's only two gimme games two, in there. Three. But you look well, at the I'm Texans. Sure you're a gimme game, brother, not to this Bills team. But you get to the Texans, and it's Broncos, Jets, both Titans games, Browns, Colts. Like, Look at the Much Browns and look at the uh, Steelers. All these teams have easy schedules. Coming I just in. looked at yeah, the Steelers, Cardinals, Pats, Colts, Bengals, Seahawks, Ravens. Ravens could like in a like 
having a divisional game week 18, depending on how their seed falls, it's so tight at the top that the Ravens might have to play that one out, which would be beneficial to Buffalo, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, what the Bills need is Cleveland to fall apart with P.J. Walker. Uh, they need the Steelers to probably, like, step on the gas and win all the rest of their games and just, like, not, you know, they're the five, they're in. And then they just need, like, either Indy or Houston to fall apart. And those are not very likely. Indy more likely than Houston. I'd say if the Bills are getting in, it's probably with Pittsburgh and Houston ahead of them. That's what that's, that would be my most likely scenario. But that's why it's 10% because it doesn't You want to know the craziest thing, Jackson? New England Patriots are not mathematically eliminated from the two seed. Okay. Like uh, is that the craziest the thing? <laughs> hypothetically. I'm not, this isn't a segue to the next segment. I'm just saying like the AF, like there is no one mathematically eliminated from the AFC yet. This could still go anyway. True. Although uh, probably not the Patriots way, but I, I see the vision. Uh, the Titans are thing that was the funniest thing I heard this weekend actually was the uh I was just on red zone and there was like a big lull at the end of Titans Panthers, so they let the last few snaps play out. And basically, like whoever was, you know, had the short straw of doing that game, which may have been the worst game of the weekend, sneakily, worse than Patriots Giants. Uh, it was a sneaky bad weekend. Yeah, sure. well, some good finishes, but yeah, definitely some clunkers in there. And whoever had that unfortunate assignment of calling uh, Titans Panthers was basically saying, oh, in all our interviews with the Titans this week, they insisted to us they're still alive in this division. Huh? They are not giving up hope one bit, and they think the easiest stretch of their schedule is still to come. They've got all these games at home. Watch out for the Titans. And I was like, night-night. I can't blame them. I mean, they've seen what the Titans and Jags have done for the last couple decades. <laughs> yeah, I guess the Jags last year. And they're aware of the stakes. They're my golden goose team. They're aware. <laughs> Should we I just briefly, Nolan has a two-point lead in the wins draft. Uh, I'm basically out of it because I picked the Panthers <laughs> and the Patriots. Uh, Kale, Kale would be in really good shape if the uh, Falcons or Saints were above 500, but they're both five and six, and therefore he's still in second place. But uh, in general – it's a two-horse race in the wins draft, and uh, I'm just, you know, holding Frank Reich and Bill Belichick's hands as we uh, watch you guys go off into the Not Frank Reich's hand anymore, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> the conglomerate of, like, I, uh, I, I was reading the names. It's like, uh, I, I think Marvin, I think Marvin, uh, not Marvin Jones, uh, Who's old Bengals coach? Marvin Lewis. Well, I think Marvin Lewis is like doing consulting work. Like they're having two different play callers. I forget who they named his interim head coach. It's like four guys involved. Chris Taylor. Oh, Carolina. Yeah. Well, they also don't they have Jim Caldwell? Isn't he? It's Jim Caldwell. It's it's Jim Caldwell, okay, not Marvin yeah. Lewis. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, Jackson, it's crazy that you have the Eagles, the only ten win team in the league, and you are. You are seven games behind second place. Oh who did God. I have? Who did I have the misfortune of picking in the second round, though, Kale? Who huh? who, who, huh? who among us advised me to draft them? Because he said the vibes were good in training camp too. It was the uh, it was the Buffalo Bills, the fourth overall pick of the wins draft. 
Listen, I I, I wouldn't have told you if you that. listen if you listened to me, you knew how high I was on the vibes of the team that went fifth overall, the Baltimore Ravens. But you know, you listen to some people's vibes over others. It's fine. Jackson, you lost. You lost the draft when you took the Patriots ahead of the Dolphins. That's that was that was in hindsight. The Patriots and Broncos back to back. The Broncos are good. Now they're good. The Broncos are tied for the most wins in that round of the draft. I'm not upset about my Broncos pick one bit. You can't do the the tie for the most picks when Nolan and I each have eleven picks in the last two rounds or eleven wins in the in the last two rounds. Look, yeah, I mean, full. I, I'm sorry, hand up. I didn't see the Raiders and Gardner Minshew being like the the best picks anyone could make in this draft. But if you're gonna try to dog my Broncos pick. I mean, they might win ten now. They're they're fine. Well, I mean, the Bears weren't a great pick. I'll say that. Obviously, the Panthers weren't a great pick. What's funny is I took the Panthers and Bears, and Nolan immediately said, ah, I had three draftable teams left. Those were two of them, so now I guess I have to take the Texans. Oh, no, 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 no. Go check the tape. I was That's gushing what she said. about Houston. I said, listen to the tape. I, listened I to was gushing about Nolan. Houston regardless. That's who I wanted. Okay, but you were gushing about them in a 10th round couch. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> I am right about those were those were the two teams that I took off your board forcing you to take the Texans and you should be very grateful for me. If you win, it's because I lost. Congrats. I that's undoubtedly true. <laughs> <laughs> no, because yeah, the Texans would have just gone off the board. I was thinking the Colts no matter what. Yeah. Well, you did flip a coin between them and the Bucks. So no, the Raiders. No, you flipped two coins. Indeed. You just fully let the penny decide the last two rounds of your draft. I love it. I'm so, I'm so goaded. <laughs> but the penny is goaded. Uh, so lines in the sand. Anyone got like strong feelings about the Jags after yesterday or oh, yeah. Texans moving down the list in the AFC? Like I think that was probably the better game we saw in the early window of all of them. So – like was that was that a game we drew strong conclusions from in any way? Yes, uh, Jags D is sneaky awesome. Uh, like running our numbers early in the year, uh, the uh, like DVOA guys did not like Jacksonville. Thought they'd be a bottom ten defense. They were so bad last year, and they really did nothing for improvement. Arguably, kind of lost guys. Uh, they're fifth in defensive DVOA right now. They're top five. Uh, no, they have the best rushing defense. Their linebackers are going nuts. Uh, top 10 in passing. Uh, they're kind of popping off right now. Uh, we'll talk about one of our, uh, one of the Jags heroes, uh, later on in the show, but they look good. Uh, offense is starting to click again. Uh, it's very funny that, uh, Doug Peterson, has they was I did I bring up on this show that the Jaguars had one of the lowest uh depth of route run by a wide receiver. It was the second lowest behind the Bengals and the Bengals were weighed down because of the uh Joe Burrow days where he couldn't throw. Uh well someone told Doug Peterson that and he kind of just goes like Wow, that's bad. 
We shouldn't have that. And now they look awesome. Uh, so he took that to heart. Uh, everything's credit. Fine, you know? Credit for like not being a dickhead and being like, oh, you know, you don't know everything. You're just a reporter. I, I, I coach this football team. You know what Brandon Staley would have said if somebody had pointed that out to him. I have so many more oh, numbers man. to give to Brandon Staley explaining why he's bad. Daniel Popper does a really good job with that. I think he's earned enough credibility uh, in the Chargers locker room. I think he does throw a lot of those numbers out at Staley. Uh, but Doug Peterson is just one of the best people at the podium. Uh, I think Solak was talking about this at one point where he uh, he will just like really detailed breakdown and not sugarcoat that, you know, yeah, every team can see us on film. Fans can now see us on film. We've just got to be open about it all. And I think that's a very commendable attitude to have. Uh, but they look awesome. Uh, I think they probably need the uh I think they probably need the one seed if they really wanna go for this thing. Uh, which I think they can get. It's not like they've got they've got a big AFC North gauntlet, but besides that, pretty easy stretch down the road. And it's it's much easier now knowing that only team they probably have to beat is Baltimore. Like Cincinnati and uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland just don't have quarterbacks now. So I'm pumped about them. And Houston still looks like the scrappiest wild card team out there. Yeah, Ted finishing up for the Jags with uh, Tampa, Carolina, Tennessee. Like that's that's Chef a beautiful forget. thing. That, that that works for me. I they're sort of in the uh, Cowboys camp right now. Of everything looks great except for the one bad loss to San Francisco, and that's like the only holdup that has people potentially questioning them. But I'm I'm more than happy to give the Jags benefit of the doubt. That game, I felt like they could have won, even though like Stroud was plucky and they almost came back from two scores down. I also felt like the Jags could have easily won that by 17, the way they were just throwing it right down the field all day long, and also. Got nothing going on the ground. If they had any sort of push in the run game, they'd probably also win that game going away. So another issue for another time, like you have Travis ECN, you should be able to run the ball a little bit. But other than that, like one of the better Lawrence games we've seen, lots of guys running open downfield and Josh Allen, game record yesterday. Totally, totally the only reason they ended up holding off Stroud at the end, Josh Allen being uh, the superior Josh Allen, as you alluded to also in an earlier episode of TMB. I, I've alluded I've alluded to that for the last three years. You brought up that Jags uh, Bills game and I referred to it uh, I referred to it as the Josh Allen game. And the whole allegory before was about the uh, the left and chill and Fox matchup it's in smash melee where it was just a Fox ditto and a uh, loser could never wear that Fox skin again. Josh <laughs> Allen should have to go by Joshua Allen. Now I knew like, it was an obscure gaming reference and I just wanted to like, see if I could bait the specifics out of you. And I'm glad we, we got it's, that. it's one of the best leads I've ever written. So <laughs> not a lot of bait. <laughs> it was needed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for the AFC playoff picture. Uh, it's going to be really fun to watch down the stretch. Uh, on the flip side, the NFC side, now's when we maybe dip back into Thanksgiving a little bit because a few weeks ago we were saying Seahawks, Vikings, are they our teams? If so, great. Vikings okay. play tonight. Uh, maybe tomorrow when you're listening to this, it'll probably episode will probably be up around the time Monday Night Football ends. And the Seahawks – 
not only lose, not only drop to uh, six and five, but now have just a brutal stretch of schedule moving forward where they play uh, the three best teams in the NFC over the next three weeks. Uh, so it's Green Bay. It's the Rams now back to five and six. Uh, there's a lot of teams that are like still kind of in it. You could even throw the two terrible NFC East teams in there if you're a real sicko. But what did this weekend tell you about NFC playoff pictures? That's probably going to get won by the, you know, the three teams that win their division and the Dallas Cowboys. Like, I really don't. I think this could be just the chalkiest chalk that's ever been chalked in terms of, like, who can make a difference. Uh, Seattle looks pretty clearly inferior to San Francisco and just a tier below that whole top four. Uh, Packers look plucky, um, and I like Jackson's use of plucky as a as a very like demeaning and derogatory like. Well, look at you, bud! Look at you, you little plucky guy! Like, hey, Christian Watson, like, you're still around? Yeah, uh, I like that. Uh, although I did say that if uh, if Lafleur manages to win out and they go eleven and six, ten and seven. I'd I'd put Lafleur on the back end of a of a uh, coach of the year conversation because that's a crazy roster to do that with. Uh, but beyond that, uh, no, it's it it really is just so cut and dry. The four best teams are Philadelphia, San Francisco, Detroit, and Dallas, and everyone is just a couple up. So um, let me let me flip it on you this way then. Like, forget about who's making the playoffs. Those four teams, you would presume to be the four teams that are playing on NFC Divisional Weekend. If those are not the four teams, which team outside those four has the best chance to spoil the fun? Uh, Is it Green Bay? Is it the Rams? I don't know. Minnesota could do some freak shit. Like they always do. If Kirk didn't get hurt, I was going to be right. I just want to. I just keep forgetting that Josh Hobbs doesn't have Justin Jefferson yet. That, yeah. It's, and like the pastronaut could just ball out. Like that's what Minnesota does is they just do weird stuff. Uh, and there's no, we could do all the schematic breakdown we want. We can rattle off DVA and EPA numbers till the cows come home. And at the end of the day, it's just some witch magic. Jackson did well, for the Giants last year, who are also very much alive, although. Not only in spirit, because they've won two games the past two weeks against two of the worst teams we've seen, but still around. Uh, to me, I, I think... think... Go, Nolan, Go sorry. I don't know. I'm just looking at these, like, the difference in quarterbacking and offense between the top four and the rest is just so stark. Like, to me, I start with... I... I think the, like the Rams offense is the only thing that I could see just having a, a streak where they, they put up like, like they did yesterday, put up 450 yards and they'd steal a game with Stafford and, and cup and the pedigree there. That was the I, only I other like, team I was thinking because they've kind of just been weighed down by the lack of Stafford cup out the first couple of weeks of the season them just, you know, even Kyron Williams, like they've just been such a banged up team that if they can get hot, they're probably the wild card team that rolls off and 
wins a big playoff game upset. Yeah, it, there's just no unit that like scares you. Like I, I thought for a second the Falcons have that, you know, weirdness factor to pull off some weird upset kind of thing. But like, come on, let's be real here. Like, they're not. I will say it would crush me because the way this is mapping out in my head, it's that the Cowboys, the Cowboys roll against uh, Atlanta. Minnesota gets. Minnesota gets Detroit, and I'm giving them the higher seed because they have the game up. And if the Rams sneak in, oh no, sorry, uh, I ruined my own bet. Uh, I was just gonna say that I f- I have a deep feeling in my gut that if the Rams make the playoffs, that they would uh, kick the Lions out, and that would make me sad. And now I don't want the mm-hmm. Rams in. <laughs> That'd be hysterical. It wouldn't be hysterical. Cash it would be bad. Suck. <laughs> uh, that's brutal. Uh, the Rams' remaining schedule is really strange. Like, it's not – most of it seems easy, but it's also got, like, two of maybe the three best teams in the league on it. So it goes P.J. Walker and the Cleveland Browns, then the Ravens at Baltimore. Then they have this nice little run of uh, home for Washington, home for the Saints at the Giants, but then they have to finish against the 49ers. So either they're winning one of those two really tough games or they're banking on getting in at nine and eight, which seems like some nine and eight team is making a wild card, but still you wish you didn't have to play the Ravens and 49ers both on the road. That Niners week 18 game screams of a, the outcome of that game determines if they play each other in in the first round of the playoffs or not. Very That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Very possible. Shanahan McVeigh always gets weird as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Should we talk about the real game that happened yesterday? The most important game that happened yesterday? The best loss of the weekend? Uh, I submit to you that the New England Patriots uh, had the best moment of their season yesterday. Chad Ryland, down for the cause. And I don't care that he definitely didn't miss that on purpose and is probably going to end up cut. And that's really sad because the ends justify the means. There was no earthly way that the Patriots could win that game yesterday. And thankfully they did not. And now we have a nice clear path to a top three draft pick. Uh, can I be honest with you, Jackson? Uh, I'm not happy about the, the loss anymore. I was. I texted Bang in our group chat when Chad Ryland missed. I popped off. It feels dirty and it feels bad and I don't like it. Uh, and it's just kind of an indictment on the whole, like last three years of New England, because it's just the back-to-back, back-to-back games where you hold a team to ten points or less and lose both games is crazy. That's just a waste of everyone's time defensively. The just sheer dearth of offensive talent on this roster. Is deeply disappointing. It's, Just it's the, impressive. The, the not give a shit attitude of like Michael Onwenu playing tackle and not having anyone on the offensive line and like Trent Brown just not even playing anymore. Like you botched this so badly. And then Matt, like Mac Jones, Mac Jones is a broken man. Mac Jones is is so deeply broken, and you could. 
you could have like worse Kirk. You could have like mid career Derek Carr. You could have that if you wanted to. And you've just chosen not to help him at all. Like it was the biggest, like it was the biggest F you to just sign Patricia and Judge and just say, Yeah, we'll figure this out. It's fine. Uh Jacoby Myers is so much better than Juju Smith Schuster. Nelson Aguilar looks normal again. Uh Johnny Smith is like has fallen off recently because Arthur Smith has started playing Kyle Pitts more. But Johnny Smith for a while was like a top ten um tight end by total production in the league. Uh like every weapon they let go has done miles better since leaving New England. Uh they have one fun guy right now. It's Pop Douglas. Dude, do you know how sad it is that Bailey Zappi finished with an A dot below zero? Below zero, Jackson. Below the line of scrimmage. That's, That's just the game. The, the uptick is coming. You just have to, you know, throw your screens for a while until uh, coach trusts you. And maybe it helps if you be like a little more Italian. So maybe Bailey Zappi can get on that. Uh, I don't know who the Patriot like. It's a very unenviable task to uh, replace greatness like Belichick. Uh, so that makes a the job a harder fill. And Gerard Mayo is good, but I don't know who he's bringing in as an offensive coordinator that's just going to turn this all around. Uh, what like what else do you want? Where else do you want to go from here? How much? How how desirable is this landscape right now for Drake May to come in? And now, like, I'm even getting more sold on you kind of have to do the take Marvin Harrison no matter what and then take Penix or trade up for Penix or take Knicks and, like, figure it out uh, or just, like, punt even more and uh, draft Jordan Travis, uh, who's going to be done for the year on an ACL tear, uh, just let him develop for a full year. Like, now I'm now I'm just – trying to figure out how you maximize this the most because there's no no real good talent right now on this Patriot roster that's going to make development easy. And the fact that the greatest coach of all time has just fully eschewed development has got to be pretty insulting to this franchise a little bit. And I don't know. There's no one in the building that can really help this out. Yeah, I mean, look, at some point we had to have the conversation of we love Bill Belichick. He's been incredible. He's also in his 70s and trying to do two jobs at once. And after a certain point, there's only so much a guy can do and learn. And like, you know, if Bill Belichick was in his mid-50s and trying to do GM and head coaching jobs at once in today's NFL, like maybe he'd be able to pull it off. But like he can't pull it off anymore and it's okay. Like it's time to rip the Band-Aid off and, you know, maybe it doesn't work out. Maybe Gerard Mayo doesn't hire a good offensive coordinator. But like, I just think at least arriving at this moment of, okay, it's laid bare. We're one of the worst teams in the league and we're moving on fully from the current head coach, quarterback regime, et cetera, assuming that Belichick's gone next year, which goodness, this would be an interesting pod if, if he's not, but I I'm okay with all of it. Like I'm really, truly at least like at peace with the fact that they're not trying to run back the same formula again next year. Maybe it won't work. Maybe we'll be miserable for years. But like, at least there's a chance we won't be, and at least we won't be stuck in like this cycle of the past three years anymore, because that was just weird and bad and not fun. I don't know, man. I said the second the Raiders thing, the Raiders 
lateral shit happened with Chandler Jones that uh, this team was unserious and it was time to just blow everything up. And if they listened, then we wouldn't have this problem. It's true. That's usually what you think of like both good, long time good and long time bad teams is not recognizing, you know, early enough that it's time to blow it up. Rarely do teams regret blowing it up. Uh, and the Patriots probably should have done a little bit sooner. That is true. I have three words for you guys. Boo, freaking who? Mm-hmm. You guys are sitting here whining about getting the, the opportunity to draft both uh, Drake May or Caleb Williams. I'm aware you know. Caleb, Kale is just sitting here whining. I, you no, it's just like I don't like rooting for everybody. And you, you, the one year you guys freaking stink is the oh, year there are two potential franchise quarterbacks. Get over yourself, man. Dude, I'm kind of doubting Caleb. Yeah. Just don't do it. It's time for Don't overthink this. People doubted Stroud for some stupid reason. Look at this man. Don't doubt. He, he's in even, a terrible situation. What do you want from him? Stroud yeah, I don't know what life. to make of Caleb because, like, nothing that's gone wrong this year can be held against him whatsoever. His team is just awful. It's but but so will the Patriots offense be if they draft him. So it's kind yeah. of a one-to-one comparison. I don't yeah. want to make the Mahomes comp, but the stuff he had to do at UCLA with all, all of his big play hunting is does remind me a little bit of how Mahomes fell in the draft because that's what he did at Texas Tech because he knew his defense wasn't going to help him out. You know who else got drafted as the second quarterback off the board solely off of big play hunting? You mean the guy who did it for one year in a COVID year, not the guy who's been doing it for like three years? Uh, Counterpoint. What, Zach Wilson didn't win a Heisman? I thought Zach Wilson won a Heisman. I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know. I can't win this. Uh, I don't think. It's I don't awesome. even know who I want, Kale. I think I you, want you. Harris, you. I don't have any of them you guys have had. You guys have had Mac Jones playing quarterback for three years. The prototypical, boring quarterback that probably wasn't worth the first round pick, and now you have a chance to draft an actual fun dude. And you're like, nah, let's trade back and draft another mediocre dude. Don't dude, do, don't do that to yourself, fun. Kale. Panics is fun. Don't do this to yourself. You'd get a wider dude. What is more fun, like? White guy from the UNC at the or AJ Brown's body with Devontae Adams is route running. Listen, I'm, more I'm, I'm, I understand the, the hesitancy because I saw Mitch Trubisky play, but he's not Mitch Trubisky. I know he's not. I know he's got a better and arm and he can do more you, and he's in a better. You offense. know, you would just waste Marvin Harrison. Don't don't ruin that. Don't ruin him. Think but of him. Gonna, if you I love him, let him go. It. I don't I, if we take no. quarterback, he's gonna be late. <laughs> I can't let him go to Arizona. <laughs> no, there's no love there. <laughs> Arizona to Chicago. Nice let him go to Chicago like, then. We'll tank. We'll we'll look good that for the first quarter, true. but like we still know the assignment. We got our picks this year. We'll tank. So I'm a little bit threatened by them still in the tankathon. Who? Arizona. No, they're gonna win. They're fine. Kyler's huh? well, look good. Kyler has not been good. Kyler's doing his Kyler thing where he's like, I'll get you a rushing touchdown. I'll put up some good fantasy numbers, but like, you know, probably not going to win. Dude, they lost to two good teams. They lost to two good teams. It's fine. If they lose to the Steelers, it's a problem. They're going to lose to the Steelers. Have you seen the Steelers this year? Yeah. <laughs> I refuse to <laughs> They don't lose. <laughs> I don't know. 
I'm just my biggest worry is that the Patriots beat the Chargers and it's all for naught because they like Belichick somehow just owns Justin Herbert. Everybody owns Justin Herbert. It's gonna be such a fun. Belichick's gonna go from owning uh, Justin Herbert to coaching Justin Herbert. It's gonna be sick. Based. Uh, Let's do some game balls. I think it's time. You can. I'm going to make you. I'm going to make you go first since you just said that. Go ahead. Uh, Karen Williams, 200 yards from scrimmage. Uh, easiest easiest one of the year, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, we had a, a three-person uh, Google Doc this week, and I, I wanted to, like, maybe leave some of the obvious ones behind. And obviously, if nobody said Kyron Williams, I would ditch my other plans and take him. But you're absolutely right. Tough, easiest one of the year. Yeah, I'm I, giving my offensive game ball to Josh Allen. You can't stop me. <laughs> he deserves some some something in his life. He's going he's going to, just not your Josh Allen. That was great. Honestly, <laughs> I don't believe I think that's the first time in show history that a losing player has gotten an offensive game ball. We gave him the special team. Did you see that man? <laughs> Did you see that man play football? They really gave, gave him a penalty when he got horse collared. He needs our help. He does. He's earned we it. We can help him. The three of us, we can help him. I agree. Gabe came so close to getting one. Mm. I stop it. I can't Gabe do this anymore. So, it's Gabe. Why are you out on Gabe now? What do you mean, why? <laughs> <laughs> he did nothing wrong. He's just running his route. The wrong way. Uh, Josh, hold it for a second longer. What do you – it was – oh, I can't do this read, with you. Read your receiver. How about you go off Gabe. Uh, Gabe doesn't about, go off you. If, if you, <laughs> when when Gabe does catch his touchdown, if you already didn't think they were doomed to uh, give up the game time field goal at least, when you saw Diggs do the fly Eagles fly, then you really had to know they were cooked. Kale, did you see that last week when Gabe Davis got zero targets that the Bills gave him a game ball? <laughs> what? <laughs> That happened. It did not. Joe Brady gave, gave gave Davis the game ball after the uh, the Jets win. After he it's like when the Giants made a hype video for uh, Kenny Galladay last year because he had a good block. Is that what this is all about, dude? I can't. I go. Nice. Uh, mine's mine's have... Pat Fryermuth uh, did not have a touchdown. But uh, Pat Fryermuth coming in yesterday had 63 yards on the season. Uh, missed a bunch of games due to injury, but also just hadn't done anything in the Matt Canada offense. Matt Canada gets gassed. He gets 120 yards on 11 catches, uh, finishing, I believe, as TE1 for the week, at least in full-point PPR formats. So uh, Pat Fryermuth, who I have always thought is good and was happy to see succeed, uh, will get an offensive game ball. Go Steelers. Exactly. Defense. Go Steelers. It's crazy that the just sheer amount of offensive talent was not just like a collection of busts, but actually good. Uh, Muth, <laughs> Najee Harris, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson. Crazy. Well, crazy. The they, they were all just two back. good running backs. It's nuts. Uh, it's a real offense with maybe an okay quarterback, depending on how he plays for the rest of the year. I'll reserve judgment. Defense. 
Defense is easy. Defense, like we shouldn't even name the rest of them. Should just go to one guy. It exactly. John Bryant. Yes. I was worried you were gonna say Josh Allen. Yeah. Well, I thought he was saying Josh Allen. Uh so yeah, I mean Deron Bland, the three of us all agree, like if there was only one game ball to give, it's Deron Bland. Uh I'm shout out, it was who was it? It was uh Nance, right? On the call Nance. for yeah, yeah. Oh, unbelievable call. Like sensing the minute the ball left Sam Howell's hands that this was very possibly going to be a pick six. And then shout out to Jerron Bland for making, uh, who was it? I think Brian Robinson and Terry McLaurin just crash into each other on the way into the end zone. Like unnecessary, but very funny. That was unreal. That return was sick. My my favorite part was Roma just being like, oh, oh, oh my God, what a call. Just yeah, like he did. Yeah. Yeah, very- just like he did. Very nice to, uh, you know, ruin a great call by calling out the great call. Uh, The first time he said it, I thought it was good. But then he continued, just like the Naheem Hines touchdown when he's just like, oh, what a moment. Ah!" And it just ruined ruined the moment. Tony Romo, not a game ball this week. Good shout out to the camera person, though, for grabbing uh, Dan Quinn, just freaking out. Oh, yes. Hell yes. That was a good shot. Man, dude, Bland is awesome. Good and some bad in the media this week. I was doing a, was doing an off season project on like quarterback pick sixes off of the whole Acho, uh, Justin Herbert <laughs> has the most pick sixes of any quarterback, or like has three pick sixes as well in the game. Uh, and I had always thought from the defensive perspective, it's very much. Uh, a schematic situation where you jump a screen route or an out route and there's no one in front of you, or it kind of just breaks your way a little lucky and you only have to make like, you take a crazy bounce that puts you in a good position and then you have to beat fewer people. Bland is one of the few players outside of like Javon Holland uh, with the 99 yard pick six. Uh, is one of the few players that has like truly earned his pick sixes. Just like the athleticism it takes to kind of do the roll and go, the like three or four tackles he broke at the end, or three or four players he avoided at the end of his uh, most recent one, the collision you talked about. Uh, like he's really fighting for him, and it's very impressive. It, it is more athleticism I've seen in a pick six than. Uh, I think most probably give credit for within like the defensive side of the pick six. So hats off to him. That is he's deep boy front runner right now. It's very special that Javon Diggs was able to go down in practice and Deron Bland was able to step in not only seamlessly, but step in enough to win a deep boy. Probably. When's the last time a corner won a deep boy? I feel like Gilmore. Okay. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Good call on both of your parts, but, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not I always, first of all, I always feel like the odds are like all over it with these things and I haven't checked the odds at all, but I almost feel like edge rushers dominate depoy again nowadays. So I'd be curious to see if like breaking a record like this, which is, you know, not the entirety of the position, but also like as game breaking cool, as yeah. anything you can do in the sport is enough because it is like transcendent to be able to house it every single time to get your hands on it as a defensive player. Well, I will say on one hand, uh, PFF has kind of charted this a little bit better, but 
on one hand, the edge rush class is so good right now. There's so many people with like between 11 and 13 sacks uh, two weeks or, or 12 weeks into the season that it's tough to kind of really uh, break all of this up. But I don't know. Bland is also kind of cooking in terms of, uh, like he said, seven pass breakups. Uh, he's got at least five interceptions at this point. Seven inter- yeah, seven pass breakups, seven interceptions. He's also dropped an additional three picks. He's allowing less than 50% completion rating. Like he's kind of just cooking right now. And I'm, I'm not going to start adjusting snaps on Sports Info Solutions to give you more detailed sna- uh, stats and tell you where he ranks. Uh, seven pass breakups isn't the most by uh, by Sports Info uh, Solutions. Not even most on the Cowboys. That would go to Gilmore. But uh, yeah, with that kind of record, I think that's like, you know, if we're talking pure value. Of like you know most valuable defensive player, uh, thirty six points, how you can beat five touchdowns, thirty on top points. of just being a very good corner. Yeah, they De- have uh, they've pulled depoy odds off the board because uh, Miles Garrett might be hurt. But uh, after Friday, Deron Bland was still at plus twelve hundred, while Micah Parsons, his teammate, was at plus two twenty five. So they really don't believe in giving it to corners right now. I th- I think the, the the Miles Garrett injury, the Aiden Hutchinson, not Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Max Crosby injury, like those guys are going to be down to peg. TJ Watt is probably the, especially if Pittsburgh keeps winning these weird games and makes the playoffs. That's probably the real threat. But um, and who's got yeah, a dark horse going? Like, Josh Allen. Nope. Josh Allen right now is his twelve and a half sacks are. Uh, third or fourth in the uh, total leaderboard right now, and he has just been awesome. He gets my defensive game ball. Two and a half sacks against Stroud, six, uh, six total pressures, handful of important quarterback hits down the stretch. Uh, he's been cooking. Uh, the fact that... Jacksonville's dumped a lot of talent into edge. Uh, they took a worse edge at number one overall last year. And Josh Allen has quickly blossomed alongside uh, Tavon Austin into one of the – not Tavon Austin. Fuck, Tavon <laughs> – dude, I'm so f- – it's so – I'm so tired. It's not Tavon Austin. The, the winner oh. – while you gather yourself there, the winner of Defensive Player of the Year is going to be whoever between Deron Bland and whether he gets the pick six of Jared Goff on Saturday night in Week 17 in that big primetime game with Detroit, whether uh, Deron Bland gets the pick six or my, or uh, Mike Parsons gets the strip sack return for touchdown. Whoever does that will be DPOI. That's my bold prediction. Um, everyone's out on Jared Goff. Sad to see. Trayvon Walker. It was Trayvon Walker. I didn't know his name then. I don't know his name now. It's kind of Surely a problem. number one overall pick in an NFL draft. Yeah, and who's mattered more? Hutch and Tibbs. At least those are easy names to break up. Not going to call them walk. Just easier. Uh, but, yeah, Josh Allen. Just Austin. Uh, 
the basis of one of my greatest uh, leads ever written uh, and still cooking to this day. And he's kind of solidified himself in that, you know, upper echelon of edge rushers. Special teams game ball before I talk about another random Rams receiver. Tough. Nolan, did you have a defensive game ball? Yeah, Deron Bland. And Micah Hyde for running away from Jalen Hurts. Hmm. That's smart. Special teams. Ryan Stonehouse. Hmm. Brother of Syracuse punter. Jack Stonehouse, I think his name is. Couldn't tell you. Did not watch Syracuse football this year. They are brothers, though. That is a real thing. So maybe Syracuse could be good next year because the punt god brother goes there. Well, when you're playing against the Panthers and it's a bad offense against a good defense, you got to worry about field position. Ryan Stonehouse is the best guy to give you field position in the league. Seven punts, five of those inside the 20, three of those inside the 10. One of those punts inside the 10 set up an easy little possession uh, for a strip sack on Bryce Young that led to one of Tennessee's only two touchdowns on the day. So Scored by whom? I don't know. Both Derrick Henry, right? Doesn't matter to me. <laughs> All I know is Stonehouse. He had like – at one point he had like 12 rushes for – 18 yards and two touchdowns or something crazy like that. Damn yeah, right, he's, he's hard to bring down because he is large. I will give him that. He's not that hard to bring down, though, when there's five guys in the backfield with the state of the Tennessee offensive line this year. But if you need one yard, he'll get you yards still. That is for sure the strength of a Derrick Henry. Uh, but we're talking special teams. Uh, so – I mean, I probably should have gone first because people right now are like, why the hell didn't you talk about this guy yet? Uh, Jake Elliott, maybe the uh, the 59-yard driving rain field goal to send the game to overtime. That, I mean, regardless of which team you may or may not be a fan of, uh, how upset that moment may have made you, uh, that was one hell of a kick. Yeah, it's, that's, it's kind of tough to – as much as I want to blame McDermott and, like, there are things to blame him for. At the end of the day, Elliot hit a 60-yarder in the rain. Like, what are, we, what are you going to do? It's pretty good. Kind of messed up you'd ice him. <laughs> like, why, yeah, why that, did you need to ice him? That thing looks are, like a I, curveball. That had the disgusting. worst ball flight of any 60-yard field goal I've ever well, that's seen. That's why it's not like it's, – it's almost the direct opposite of a curveball. I couldn't believe it was the fastest 60-yard field goal I think I've ever seen. It was like a – it's like a sinker, but there was movement on it. Like it, like basically did a, a full like barrel roll, little left to righter. Yeah, it it's crazy. like a uh, it's Tiger Woods stinger from two thousand four. Keep it under the wind, little left to right on it. Jackson, I'm gonna drop kayfabe for a second, and we're gonna do uniform balls. Uh, I gotta talk to you, man. Uh, in our show notes, you wrote. Buff, uh, Buffalo, Philadelphia can be anyone's. I'll use Pittsburgh, Cincinnati as my backup. You didn't buy with Pittsburgh, Cincinnati yesterday? Are you kidding me? What the hell is wrong was, with that? I, that game is on my TV right now. It is disgusting. It is a bad visual. You're it's upset ugly. about the Bengals orange? It's about the Bengals. It's about the Bengals 
orange on orange with black pants and orange socks with just like the amount of black in the Steelers uniform. Uh, most of these guys have like the black side stripe into the black socks with like a black t-shirt underneath showing. It's just ugly. Like the color, the colors are too close. The whole rest of it's black and white. This is an eyesore. This is disgusting. I don't I'm ashamed of you. You usually have good uniform takes. I was going to text you. This was my game uniform or uniform game as a joke to get you mad the way I used to do. Like, that's how bad I thought this game was. First of all, any game involving the Steelers, you can never say that about jokingly because the Steelers are immaculate. Well, what about the contrast? I don't think the contrast is bad. Orange and yellow happens all the time in that division specifically, and we usually say good things about it. They play the Browns and Bengals four games a year. I liked I liked the Bengals orange on orange because we usually see them wear black jerseys. Like, we kind of forget they have the orange jerseys, and I just thought it was nice. I think it was a bad game to break them out. I think it was just a bad look. Uh, and I like the black pants too, because I don't I don't really love the white pants with the tiger stripes on the side a lot of the time. I think it blends weird. I liked the black pants. It does it for me. <sighs> Agree to disagree. I'm just disappointed. I'm just disappointed in you. I, I'll stand on the table for that game. I, I think those are two top half uniform teams, and I think they showed well. I think and it's I think it's elite. I always. think the Bengals orange is is a bottom three uniform in the league. Like if if we're just dropping all, uh, what is it, ninety six uniforms on the table, uh, like home road and alternate, I think the Bengals orange. I think that specific mat like combination of everything is one of the worst uniforms in the league. Well, it's going to be tough to be bottom three because the Jets wore their all blacks this weekend. Reminded me of how bad that is. So I don't mind that one. <laughs> It's, it was I'm not, try- I'm not trying to be antagonistic here. I don't mind that one. Oof, it was rough. I I knew I knew they were doomed anyway when Tim Boyle was playing quarterback because lest we forget, like Tim Boyle threw I think 13 touchdowns and 35 interceptions in college. Uh, but they were extra extra doomed when they brought out the All Blacks. Do you know Tim Boyle has never played a season of football, college or pro? where he has thrown more touchdowns than interceptions. He has not. And it's not like he's played at some uh, particularly grueling college schedules either. Why Why does he have a job? Well, because – I know, I know now <laughs> how to get this far. We know the answer. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers has ruined the Jets in every conceivable way. Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback, is supposed to bail out Aaron Rodgers, the GM, and it just hasn't worked. Alan Lazard, the hell? Aaron Rodgers, the GM, is the only Aaron Rodgers they got. (laughs) Oh, things are not well. Things are not well in Jetland. We didn't even barely talk about them this week. Uh, But why bother? Yeah, who needs to? Uh, But yeah, uh, you're. Your uniform game that could be anyone's, uh, it's mine. I'm going to force you to take Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. Uh, yeah, Buffalo was awesome. Uh, the Buffalo All-Whites, great. Uh, the Philly throwbacks, uh, magical, and somehow got better in the rain. Uh, yeah, the, ra- like, the rain really helped. It it did. God, that was such a good game. The, the Bills just liked- got even better, too, when Josh just got ripped in half. I didn't even realize <laughs> we'll before – 
that the Eagles wear gray pants with the Kelly greens. Like I was just so laser focused on the Kelly greens that nothing else mattered to me. Oh, now that I saw it for a second time, I was like, Ooh, gray pants. Yeah. I like, Very nice. like those a lot. I, um, and I, liked the, uh, I liked the like black and white Eagle at midfield, like mostly washed away by the rain. And you could almost see the regular Eagles logo underneath it. Cause the paint is wearing away so bad. I liked that. And I liked the, uh, the weird, like, super throwback script they had in the end zone. And it's just all good. I'm sorry. It does I, give me a little Jetsy vibes. I'm not going to lie, but I, I, it's not their fault. They do it better. I don't know which uh, – I, I don't know uh, if we're supposed to reveal that we're watching this Monday Night Football game or not. How was 10 minutes past in the first quarter? I'm not <laughs> watching, fully admit. <laughs> We're ten minutes in. We're ten minutes into the game, and there's five forty-five left in the first quarter. They're moving. They're cooking. That is a, that is a clock burn. Um, <laughs> Good for them. Uh, yeah. All right. Head scratchers. Uh, Nolan, you got no. We got to give Nolan a uniform. Sorry, sorry. You're right. It was a rough slate this week. Not gonna lie. The Ravens and Chargers had potential, and I think they kind of squandered it. So I'm just gonna go with a, a classic. Give me a. Well, the Chiefs Raiders get the game ball that. Poor child whose parents dressed him up as a cornucopia of racial stereotypes. He is excluded from this. He does not get the trophy. That was going to be like maybe my head scratcher was like, how'd that kid get there? I I was looking at these games and I was like, I think that's my uniform matchup, but I don't know if I want to give it to that because it also inspired the kid to wear that outfit. But the uniforms were sweet. So... (laughs) They are. I've I've always been a staunch supporter of that uniform matchup specifically. Kale, what are what is this Bears Vikings uni matchup like? Oh, it's good. Uh, I I like the Bears whites more than I like the Bears blues. Uh, they're white, white jerseys, blue pants, white socks. It looks like my high school uniform. Uh, and the Vikes are in purple, white pants, purple socks, and That's they're solid. Crushing it. Yeah, That's no, right it's there. it's very. There's not a lot of like color cohesion. Uh, there's not a lot of like fake color narratives I can draw or like parallels I can draw. Uh, it's just like Vikings wearing their best uniforms with the Bears wearing their best uniforms, and it's making for like a B game. Very good. Uh, Love describing my favorite. It's funny enough to do a uniform game segment on uh, um, audio medium. It's even better to describe a current uniform game that's going on uh, to my co-host that can only hear and cannot see uh, on an audio medium. So uh, we're breaking boundaries here, folks. It's pretty good, honestly, yeah. Um, I'm going to go last in head scratchers just to like make sure all the bases get covered this week because I feel like there's some that may need to be talked about. Um, so – in, in that spirit, Kale, why don't you go first? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's uh, Sean McDermott. Uh, just stumbling pissing down. rain. Who's that? Uh, <laughs> just, just pouring, pouring rain. Uh, a, a drive that is starting to actively stall out uh, and not go well. Nearly ended the game on an A.J. Brown fumble, which we haven't talked about yet. That was really close. I'm not even mad. I, he didn't catch it. So. No, that, that wasn't a catch. 
That was I, I, it was close, but it was not a catch. So I uh, moved on to the 18 other issues. Yeah, but fourth and 17, Buffalo 41. Uh, two timeouts left for Buffalo. And they just they just ice him. He burned the timeout before. I forgot. He burned the timeout before on the false start, which I'm not sure. I guess I was like to get guys to figure out like and get the right matchup. I don't know if he was forced to burn that because of the penalty or what, but uh, it's a stop a 10 second runoff. Uh, but there was no reason to burn that second one. Uh, and it ended up resulting in Buffalo taking over the 25 with a timeout in their pocket with 20 seconds on the clock and Josh Allen just kneeling it out. Uh, it, it gets more and more indefensible every second of the day. They just try. try. Like, just don't be a coward. Your offense is the thing that's clicking. This is a weak secondary. Just try. Any team, like, I'll bash you for being a coward. <laughs> like the Bills, whose the Bills entire last two years of their history has been marked by a team scoring with no timeouts and seven fewer seconds. Uh, actually, they did have timeouts. That's a lie. But regardless... Seven fewer seconds, and you're not even trying. Like, that's just the jokes right themselves. Gabe Davis got open as much as I've given him shit. He was open every time he wanted to be down the field. So we have also Stephon Diggs. He didn't even try. The, the, the Eagles are genuinely bad at defending deep passing, even though the only players they were able to keep this year uh, in free agency were their better, uh, veteran cornerbacks. Uh, or veteran safeties, I'm sorry. They cannot defend the deep end of the field. Gabe Davis got open whenever he wanted. He was, yeah, he because was open, on that, he was open yeah. on that touchdown he misread. And we also like haven't talked about the Eagles in this episode because Nolan's a Bills fan and we've covered it from their side, which is totally fair for us. But they are 10-1, and one and they are still very strange. Like, you know, not just the defensive issues, but Hurts has been limping around on one leg all the time. That was his first rushing touchdown that wasn't a one-yard tush-push last night was the game-ender. Uh, so, like, all this, you know, they're 10-1. and one. Jalen Hurts is lighting the world on fire in terms of rushing touchdowns. But, like, if you actually watch the games, like, A.J. Brown's been bracketed the last two weeks and hasn't done anything. Suddenly, Devontae Smith's finally getting a little more involved. But they run all these, like, Kenneth Gainwell stretch runs and – you know, design QB runs on second and 10, and they just put themselves in third and nine, like all the time for no reason. The Eagles love going three and out and then like showing up when it matters, but it's a weird team. It definitely doesn't feel like a 10 and one team. If you actually like sit and watch an Eagles game, it's, it's very confusing, but they're good. Yeah. It's very weird to see a team situation in a close game, make good decisions and win the game in the end. It's very off putting to me. Shots wrote about them for DVOA and somehow uh, because of how DVOA is written, uh, it puts the Eagles and Steelers basically next to each other. And there's no real, like the Eagles defense has been solid, but not fantastic. Uh, And it's a lot of it is just driven by turnover luck. And just an inability to generate turnovers. So, I don't know. It's I don't think they're that bad, but I weirdly enough think they're. I can't even say that. Like they're they're the fourth best defense in that top four of the uh, 
of the. Oh, they're better than Detroit. Dude, Detroit's like not been bad. They got no... carved up by Christian Watson. Stud. Yeah, but like he's back Animal. now, so it's cool. <laughs> Jaden Reed, the new uh, sick, everything exactly. guy. Yeah, the Packers are sick. I don't even Jordan Jordan Love is the right pick. I don't even want to hear it anymore. Uh, it's funny, you, Nolan. You've never met Tosh, Caleb. You uh, had one podcast with Tosh. Tosh is so in on Jordan Love. He's like, good for him. No, nobody's ever been more happy with their quarterback than uh, Tosh Myers is with. Uh, First year, fourth year quarterback Jordan Love. It's uh, it's really inspiring. I hope he continues to uh, light the world on fire. Uh, Nolan, you got a head scratcher? Well, uh, Kale stole my valor there, but uh, I kind of want to go officiating here, but not in the sense that they call they throw the referees cost the Bills the game. Just more in the sense that like these dudes don't know what they're doing anymore. That's a classic. We we love to break I, that one out. So if you guys throw them at us, I hate it. I hate it. But like, I yeah, my my head has been warped by Sean McDermott for the last few weeks, and I don't, I can't get out of it. I don't know. I guess not firing Staley yet is a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. Um, not firing McDermott. There, there we go. Terry Pagula, where are you? Why have you not done what needs to be done? Starting okay. Tim Boyle. I'm just lifting him off. I don't, I don't really have a a, a uh, definitive head scratcher here. You were you were my only chance to not make this my head scratcher because I had I had like a bigger one uh, that was like maybe a little more meaningful. But uh, Jonathan Mingo is my head scratcher. I'm scrapping oh. all the cars. <laughs> I love it. I love you, line. Jonathan Mingo. <laughs> What are you doing, dude? <laughs> He's running towards the sideline, and then he like throws his entire body out of bounds. <laughs> never so funny. All week. Jackson or Kale, have you not seen this? Or no, I finally, I finally watched it pre-pod. I've never seen no. What I meant by I never seen it. I've never seen a player like kind of just Do lose that. control of their limbs like that. <laughs> it's so funny. He, like, in order to try it, because, you know, he has no idea where the sideline is, which, you know, it's kind of your job <laughs> as a receiver is to know where the sideline is. And then in a last-ditch attempt to catch the ball, which he thinks is thrown behind him because he doesn't realize that he's near the sideline, he then, like, flings his whole body counterclockwise or, or uh, not counterclockwise, but away from – the direction of the ball coming in to or in order to try and catch it and somehow ends up with like his entire lower half out of bounds by the time the ball gets there. It's really special stuff. Is that going to be the defining image of the Frank Reich tenure? Is there a defining image? Yeah, that's the problem is I don't think I like all 22 footage of like an incomplete pass from week 11. Like, no, they're, they're, if that is, that's an indictment on the Frank Reich tenure because there was nothing like, you know, Urban Meyer. So many moments where it was like, wow, this dude's terrible, you know, can't coach, terrible chemistry with the team, like just bad dude, whatever. Like there's nothing memorable about Frank Reich. Not an in-game right. moment, not an off-the-field moment. Like he just came and went. It's fascinating. Never happened. I guess the, the fact that he only got one win – and it was against C.J. Stroud is probably the defining moment, which is hysterical. I agree. That's a good point. 
didn't did the bare minimum to try and salvage that pick. But also, like, head scratcher wise, uh, unofficial head scratcher was a color commentary from this week. Uh, Jason Garrett stepping in on Sunday Night Football for Collinsworth, uh, the moment where. Tariko is trying to go to commercial in an LA sunset, and then Jason Garrett just goes, "That's pretty nice, huh?" And then he laughs at all his own jokes. He says every football cliche under the sun, uh, and he just like kind of throws three random thoughts together in the middle of a replay with no uh, no connection between them whatsoever. Uh, but then you have Tony Romo who can't figure out what the score is, uh, and he's too busy worrying about whether or not Jim had a good call. Uh, and then to cap it all off. Greg Olson stuck his entire hand inside a turducken on camera this week. And that really blew my mind. Color commentary is in a weird, weird spot right now. I missed that. When I heard Garrett was on Sunday Night Football, I hit the mute button so fast and <laughs> did not listen to a second. I, and I've never felt more good about a decision in my life. Yeah, I, well, I watched panned Garrett moment of the year was a college game where it was, uh, I think it was Notre Dame, Ohio State. Uh, and it was Jack Collinsworth and uh, Jason Garrett, and everyone was just slam dunking on it on Twitter the entire night. So for Jason Garrett's next moment to be him replacing Jack Collinsworth's dad in the booth is a weird little twist of fate. I watched the game on a Peloton uh, listening to uh, a Twitch stream of something totally unrelated. So I missed the entirety of the Jason Garrett experience until the fourth quarter. And it it's white noise. It's football white noise. It's really funny. Romo, I think, has been better this year. I think he's like still kind of annoying, but I think he's been better than he was the last couple of years. Uh, and I just fully miss the turducken thing. And I kind of watch games on mute now, uh, with like music in the background or just one broadcast going. So I've missed truly nearly everything that you've talked about outside the Romo thing. So glad I could contribute. <laughs> And also, Chris Collinsworth was taking uh, Sunday to like spend time with his family, but his son was working the game, which I thought was funny. That was great. <laughs> oh, can I can I just add one more uh, one more head scratcher? Of course. Uh, this is this is just one because I'm just I was accidentally clicking around on Twitter, but uh, the. The quarterback position for the Carolina Panthers. We've talked too much about it now, but I just want to run you down the full list of everything that's gone on. Spent a third on Will Greer. Signed Teddy Bridgewater for $33 million guaranteed. Cut Cam Newton. Traded a second, fourth, and sixth round pick for Sam Darnold. Traded Teddy Bridgewater for a sixth rounder after signing him for $33 million guaranteed. Picked up Darnold's $19 million option. Signed Cam Newton. Spent a third on Matt Corral. Traded for Baker Mayfield. Cut Baker Mayfield. Also cut Cam Newton. Drafted Young over CJ Stroud after trading up for him. uh, Or after trading up into the first round pick and losing DJ Moore in the process. uh, And firing Frank Reich after 11 games. The... Coach specifically brought in for quarterback development. Just had to just had to run that one by everyone. And somehow PJ Walker like won a couple games for them in there too, somehow. XFL legend, PJ Walker. 
Browns starting QB against the Chiefs in the playoffs, PJ Walker. That is crazy. I fully thought they were two different people. <laughs> like until literally <laughs> until Josh. <Duck> Wait, what? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, PJ Walker, that guy. And just never put together the current guy. quarterback from last year. Didn't want to admit it till right now. <laughs> I'm impressed. Uh well, we're not doing a Monday night football preview because it's happening right now. Uh, Kale, how, how far are we into the game now? 15 minutes? I don't know. I've got a deal dash commercial on. I'm not nice. pumped about it. Nice. Uh, cheap seats. Nolan, welcome cheap. to cheap seats. This is cheap, cheap, cheap. I'm excited about this. Uh, is it me to you or you to me? Uh, I, so last week I gave it to you. Yeah. So this week you give it to both of us. Yeah, I'll let you guys hash this one out. This will be fun. So you know your <laughs> yeah, you guys list off how cheap the tickets are at various games, and we pick which one we want to go to, right? Oh, smart guy. Look at you. Uh, all right. Looking at this, uh, do we let you splurge for 53? No, we don't. We're going to cap it at 50 this week. Let's go bottom to top. Oh, wait. Ah. Uh, no, no, we'll, we'll cap you at 50. There was a 53 and a 51. Games are very cheap this week. Excellent. And we're removing the uh, the Cowboys trap uh, because they're an auto throwout. But their we tickets are as low trap. as $18 for Thursday night against oh, Seattle. But Fake. Funny money. That's a scam and we won't allow it. That's why that I also just realized that's why you see all the people rushing into Cowboys Stadium that you never see anywhere else. Because they're one of the only stadiums with general standing only space. Yeah, this is a big week for Kale catching up to the rest of the world. <laughs> I'm impressed. No, you that those videos have never had that context. I'm mad. Whatever. I'm not gonna talk about this. Twenty four dollars. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know how to like phrase this one. Twenty four dollars. Atlanta Falcons at the New York Jets. I'm intrigued. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> Jackson, there's a de- there's a deli around the corner from your apartment where you could spend twenty four dollars more effectively than Jets tickets. Uh, I think I can see Kale being intrigued by that, but no human should be intrigued by that. No, no, I'm I'm fully out now. Uh, Thirty three dollars. Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. No. For one dollar more, Baker revenge game. You can see uh, what has to be white trash Nirvana. It's Gardner Minshew at Will Levis, Colts at Texans. Mister Mister Mullet versus the man who puts mayo in his coffee. <laughs> Holy cow! Uh, yeah, that's got to be something. Uh, white trash Nirvana. <laughs> Forty-six dollars. This would have been such a sick game like two weeks ago. It's the Cincinnati Bengals at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you're really looking to break the bank for $50, Cleveland Browns at Los Angeles Rams. I don't want to go to SoFi. I was deceived at the the enjoyment of the segment. 
it, it gets up sometimes. <laughs> this is this is why we get paid the big bucks because sometimes you got to make the tough calls in cheap seats. It's not always. If, funny if you get paid the big bucks, why are we at the cheap seats? <laughs> Called budgeting. <laughs> yeah, come on now. Uh, the slush fund's got to pay for deli sandwiches too, not just football tickets. Uh, oh man, I, I just can't get white trash Nirvana out of my head. I think I'm going cold sightings. I I think that's fun. I maybe it's because I'm a Jonathan Taylor fantasy owner, but like I I could enjoy myself at that. I don't think I can enjoy myself at any of those other ones. I I'll go with the Baker Mayfield revenge game against Carolina. I think I think there's potential for that to be funny. What, Jackson, I could see the next Jonathan Mingo sideline straddle in person. You could. That's the yeah, thing. Like the yeah. if you're going for the Panthers, you're only going for comedic potential. Oh yeah. Baker might plant a flag at midfield. Like <laughs> he might. Mike Evans yeah, might hit a thousand yards. Is he close I'd yet? I'd still go Bengals. Uh, Bengals Jaguars. Like you're watching. You're like you're watching a good team with two sides of the ball and on one side. I'm of the just. Ball. I'm morbidly. Curious about the uh, about how things shake out for Cincinnati. However, I will note that because we capped uh, the pricing of these, uh, there were two uh, that I guess would have qualified as mid seats: Detroit at New Orleans and Denver at Houston. So the extra couple dollars weren't getting you much better. I don't know. Denver Houston sounds fun. Also, Josh Dobbs just threw a pick. So, no, Josh, darn. Just TJ well, Hawkinson have three fumbles yet? <laughs> is that how bad the situation is? Can you tell me I if he not... has seven fumbles yet? Because that would help me. No one. I should have given Zay Flowers a game ball for winning me. Oh my I was, god! <laughs> oh, I needed Zay. I need Zay Flowers to get me. 21 and a half, and uh, he, he put up a respectable 13. Uh, my cousin's husband and I have a running bit talking about uh, Zay Flowers and how, like, we're just waiting for him to break out, but we both love him, and it's like it's tough to start him every week. And I got a text from him yesterday at like eight in the morning. He's like, Flowers doesn't go big today, we simply have to put him down. And I eventually send the Wesley Snipes meme. At when Baltimore got the ball back, I sent the Wesley Snipes meme of him, uh, like tear in his eye, pointing a gun off camera. <laughs> and I was like, he's just so mid, like in fantasy. We like, you know, it's just too tough to start. And then immediately follow that up with, oh my God, <laughs> because they ran a wide receiver sweep with Zay Flowers, 30 yards for a touchdown. That's they couldn't okay. have done a forward lateral and gotten me some Lamar Jackson points. No, no, it was, a, it was a tried and true run. It wasn't even like a pop pass that has like momentum forward or like there was one screenshot of a two oh one where it's literally thrown straight up in the air and Tyreek Hill picks it up. No, this was a this was a real handoff. Don't talk to me about Tua right now. That guy's dead to me because Tua, Tua was at 10 and a half points with three minutes to go in the second quarter and ended the game with seven and a half points. Explain, Tua. Explain yourself. 
Uh, Jets defense uh, Raheem is good. Mostert. Raheem Mostert's part of it, but he throws a pick six. Then he throws another pick right before half, and then he fumbles. So this team's just trying to do everything he can to get me to lose this week. And then he called up Dalton Schultz and said, hey, buddy, get yourself benched this week. All good things. All good things on my roster. <laughs> the, only thing people, the only thing people love hearing more about us describing uniforms is us talking about our fantasy teams. That's 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 the bit. We like doing it. This is I haven't gotten my rant yet this year, so that's still in my back pocket at some point. If we ever need we need to bust out the fantasy rant at any point, I will. Podcast or bingo. One of those we are year. checking all the boxes. Hmm. Happy happy to do it, honestly. Honestly, yeah. You guys want to hang up and do a Monday night football watch party? I have a serious question. Who do you guys have winning MVP at this point? Dak Prescott. Lamar I'm, I'm, Jackson. I, I, I'm glad you guys said that because I thought I was crazy for thinking Dak and Lamar were the top two guys. I think, I think Hertz is up there. Yeah, my actual answer is Hertz, to be honest. I think Hertz wins it, but I think I, I would vote for Dak right now. It's crazy. I, I, it, I don't get it with Hertz. I, I really don't. I think it's like, all I, the narrative. I think if they go 15 and 2 and Hertz has like 14 rushing touchdowns, he gets it. I think that's how the world works. But I also think that uh, if we're talking just pure narrative resulting in awards for the Eagles, that probably ends up being, uh, that probably ends up being Nick Sirianni winning coach of the year because, uh, I think when you have a team that good uh, and coach of the year is so wide open, uh, but you have an Eagles team that's that good and you invented a new way to revolutionize fourth and shorts uh, that no one else is able to replicate. uh, You got to get that. They were 14 and three with the tush push last year. Like none of this is new. No, but it's now the the coach of the year year over year improvement award. It's the talk of the town now, Jackson. Hmm. I didn't realize it wasn't the top of the town. That that could push, well, hey, it didn't have. It wasn't the brotherly shove. Mm. That's got a name. It's got like three names now. It's true. And Jack Del Rio figured out how to stop it, so the commanders had to throw him off the ship before he, uh, you know, they had to, the golden goose. They had to silence him. <laughs> yeah, he's gone. He can't do anything about it anymore. Cancel him, Jackson. <laughs> he knew too much. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna watch. I love the Steven Ruiz tweet. He's gonna watch so much OAN now. I don't have anything else to say. Yeah, that'll do it. Guys, (laughs) we got like five potential episode names in the last five minutes too. But no one, thanks for coming on, Kale. Thanks for beasting it as always. We're gonna go watch the rest of this uh, three nothing Monday night football game and pray for points for Nolan. For Kale, I am Jackson. We will see you next Tuesday. See you.